helped you tidy up all the nooks and crannies of your body's basement, but this year, Manscaped can help you get the perfect presentation on that beautiful face with the new Beard Hedger Pro Kit. Make sure you look your best this spring by using code BELLYUP20 to get 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com. It's time to tame your mane with the Beard Hedger Pro Kit. The sun is peeking back out, which means you'll have to show your face in the daylight again. So use the kit to make sure your scruff looks award-winning, whether you got glorious beard flow or some smooth, sleek cheeks. The kit starts off with the Beard Hedger, a waterproof cordless trimmer with a rotary wheel that gives you 20 hair-cutting lengths, all with one guard. So no more messy drawers full of add-ons. It also comes with the titanium-coated T-blades that are tough on hair but smooth on your face, leading to a single-stroke efficiency that brings satisfaction one stroke at a time. The Beard Hedger is a high-tech piece of art in a travel-size package with a long-lasting battery, universal charging, and a strong motor. So what are you waiting for? Save 20% off and free shipping when you use the promo code BELLYUP20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off and free shipping with the promo code BELLYUP20 at manscaped.com. Focus on the face and use the Beard Hedger Pro Kit for the cleanest look in the game. This is the MD's Fantasy Football Show with Dan Mader. Giving you the X's and O's of all things fantasy. Oh, it's another Thursday night, folks. That means it's the time for another episode of the MD's Fantasy Football Show with yours truly, Dan Mater. Thanks for joining us live on our YouTube channel. Subscribe if you haven't already done so. Hit that little bell notification so you get notified whenever we have new content available to you. We're one week closer to our NFL draft stream. April 27th, we got the first round. We're got. I don't even know how many guests we're going to have. It's going to be a ton for the first round. And, of course, we have the second round streaming as well on April 28th. Nonstop five to six hours worth of streaming. You'll see me and Chris on there. Adam LaRue is going to join us the entirety of the show along with many many other guests and of course today we are continuing on our draft series for the tight end class now make sure you go back and download some favorite podcast app because we did the quarterbacks with dave hillman we did the running backs with jeremy popolars and last week we did the wide receivers with pat fitzmorris of fantasy pro so a great laundry list for you guys to listen to we have another great guest on for you guys today but before we properly introduce him we do have both our co-hosts in today, and uh, we'll start with Danielle, because, Danielle, you kind of had to miss last week's show. Your, your Wi-Fi issues, you, you sorted out here? No more technical issues over here? Yeah, hopefully. I mean, we'll hope for the best this time, and I hope I can stay on, because I had a lot to say about the wide receivers, but it's fine. I guess you guys will never know. It was it was gold, guys. I can vouch. It was, it was absolute gold. It was the best analysis out there ever, and we're never going to hear it live ever. Uh, Chris... We, you actually, it looks like you made it out of the dungeon. You actually have light on your face today. It's a good, it's a good sign. Well, I, I got a, an extra lamp. So that was the problem last week. As I pointed out, I came back and there. I had blown one of my lamps. So I was like, uh-oh, what do I do? And I had no other bulbs in the house. So this time I'm prepared. Well, um, But I'm also excited to have our, you talked about some all-star guests. And we have another Dan, I think, joining our show because we continue our wonderful guest setting this week. We do. We're going to introduce him in just a second. And um, I, I do want to comment there on your little light bulb comment. If you were wondering how much money we put into this production, that statement just summed it up right there. We can't find an extra lamp there for Chris on his face, unfortunately. But to no further ado, 
It's the time you've all been waiting for. He's standing in the top right corner of your screen. He is the senior writer at Dynasty Nerds. The one, the only, Mr. Dan Toomey. All right. All right. That's a way to start the show. This is that's, how we that's, get that's how you start a show. That's that's how I want you to know how excited I am to have you on taking time out of your day to help our low production quality show out for this one. <laughs> I appreciate it. I appreciate it. I actually was on Amazon for like an hour before looking at lights myself. So I know all about the uh, lighting grind that we're all on. <laughs> it's it's brutal out there. It's a tough economy. It is. It is. It is. I'll tell you what's not brutal though, for once. And I, I can't I, honestly, I can't even remember the last time this wasn't a brutal issue. But the tight end episode is actually not awful this year. I, I never look forward to this episode. Although, for one reason, the only reason I would look forward to it is because it's the last episode we do before we go to the NFL draft the following week. But I was actually looking forward to today's show. There's names to talk about, there's reasons to be excited. Dan, when you look at this tight end draft class, what are you seeing? So I, I feel like this is like a nice, almost like a reset for the NFL. Like we have, I want to say four to five fantasy relevant tight ends in this rookie class. And, you know, you think about, it, you got your Zach Ertz is on the way out. Kelsey, knock on wood, not going to say anything, but I'm just going to say his name. He's older. Um, <laughs> yeah. Okay. You said it. Yeah. <laughs> um, Goddard and Kittle, they're not, you know, young pups anymore. So I feel like this is like a super nice influx of, youth not all of them are super young but youth to the tight end position that can hopefully you know because you're going to have maybe three names tonight then you'll have like you know Pitts, hawkinson and that will form like the core of your dynasty five or six tight ends i'm not gonna you know pretend we're gonna have a day where we have 12 to 14 relevant fantasy tight ends i just the nfl offenses aren't going that way but you know we're going to enter a round where we have our new big six to be talking about for the next, you know, six or seven years. And that that's what makes this class so exciting is, you know, learning about these players before they become those Goddards, those Kelsey's, those Kittles one day. It's funny. The way you kind of just summarize the tight end class, it, it makes me remember a couple of weeks ago, Chris, when we did the, the running back and it's the same, it's the same kind of scenario. The the elite running backs are starting to hit those peak ages, they're starting to age out. There's this gap in between where we haven't really had so many prospects. And now all of a sudden this year, tight end class, running back class, some of the strongest classes we've had for fantasy football. Uh, how are you feeling about this tight end class? I'm I'm ecstatic about it. I mean, I think this is one of the topics that I've been waiting for for our draft show, and it's rarely that we get excited about the tight ends. Now, I'm a you know a nerd when it comes to the tight end position. I, I hope they continue to be in fantasy football because more and more leagues are phasing you know phasing them out. Um, but this might be the draft that saves the tight end in some you know fantasy leagues because people are getting tired of having that two or three people that you can choose from. But now, if you have six, seven, eight people to choose from, now that's about you know skill set more than just what's available. So I think this is a draft class that could definitely kind of boost fantasy. And I think it's exciting that we could actually talk about tight ends on these kind of shows like our show and be able to say, hey, there's actually fantasy value to be there versus flip a coin and put whoever you want in your lineup because it doesn't matter. 
It, it needs saving. It needs it because I'm one of those guys who's been trying to phase out tight ends as many <laughs> leagues as, as I possibly can because I can't can't just sit there and watch and, and not like pretend Travis Kelsey's not just a glorified wide receiver and everybody else is just pulling my hair out. It's worse than kicker. All right. It's worse than kicker. I you already took ours away, Dan. You can't take I it away did. for everybody. And I will take I will <laughs> participate unless this class turns it around. I will continue that petition 100%. But let's get into this episode a little bit. I want to kick it off with a game that we haven't had on this show yet. So I'm going to explain a little bit. It's called Smash, Tap, or Dash. And what we're going to do here is we're going to take the three consensus top tight ends right now. It may not be our top three, but right now it's the consensus top three. And that is Dalton Kincaid, Luke Musgrave, and, of course, Michael Mayer from Notre Dame. So, Dan, we'll go to you first. You are the guest, and we're going to start with the Smash. Hulk. Smash. Who are you hitting that smash button for? So my smash is none other than Dalton Kincaid. I don't think it's going to be hot takey at all. You know, Dynasty Nerds, we're, we're, we're a Dalton Kincaid company. Rich Rich can't stop talking about him. You should see our work chats. You think the podcast is a lot of talk. The, the work chats are just, just as much. Um, the one thing I'll tell people is if you are not familiar with Dalton Kincaid, go watch the game against USC from this past year. Um, it's, it's, it's a... Two-headed coin. You get to watch Dalton Kincaid, and you also get to watch Caleb Williams, who's probably the quarterback one next year in the draft class. And Kincaid has a monster game. I think he has like 15 or 16 receptions. He breaks 200 yards. If you have to go just – you only have 10 minutes out of your day, and you just got to go watch him tape real fast and find out who is this player, that game encapsulates the ceiling of his role on an NFL offense to the next level. And – I'll let the tape speak for itself at that point. It's, he's he's an amazing player. I'm sure we'll talk lots more about him for the rest of the night. <laughs> oh, yeah. He's going to keep coming up. And I'll just jump on real quick because I also have Don Kincaid as my smash for all the reasons you just listed. I think he's probably the most polished route runner receiver of this draft class. He was third at the position last year, according to PFF and missed tackles force. He is a very good athlete. Is he the greatest block in the world? No, but he's a willing blocker and a guy I think could develop in that enough to keep him on the field on a regular basis pretty early on in his career. Ultimately, I'm not worried about it. And here's the other thing about Don Kincaid and, uh, that I would say is maybe why I put him a little bit ahead of a, a Luke Musgrave, who I'm not going to go into, Chris. I know you're going to talk about Musgrave. Don't worry. But with Kincaid, the consensus is this guy is going in the first round. And we talk about the draft capital all the time. There's some volatility when it comes to all the tight ends after that. We love this tight end class, but Marcus Musgrave, he's, he's balancing around the second, third round. It kind of depends on who you're looking at and who they think needs a tight end more. But for the most part, I haven't seen a major outlet out there not mock Kincaid in the first round. That's draft capital I will sink my teeth into. So while I have it close between him and, say, maybe a Musgrave, uh, that's what gives me the edge for him in his own right. Besides the fact that he does have the great pass-catching ability, actually can make guys miss after the catch, which is rare for a tight end and rare for this class in general. Uh, Chris, who do you have as a smash? Well, I think you gave the cat away in the sense that I have Luke Musgrave as my smash. Um, you know, Dalton Kincaid is a great player, and he did a lot of things in college. And the thing he had versus USC was definitely impressive. But I look at a guy who's just built differently. He's six foot six, almost six foot seven. Rent is two hundred fifty pounds. Is willing to be a blocker. Now I had some injury issues. That's kind of why you don't really know how great this guy can be. And I think that's where we're going to see this guy kind of unleashed. Had a great combine. Continued to impress people as you know as post combine. Um, smooth, 
in and out of his breaks. He can go up and get the ball. And I think he's a guy that when you look at him, he's a mismatch and he can get better. And then I think in the NFL where you're going to see him get utilized is, you know, we talked about last week, different systems that are out there and you need a tight end that can kind of be willing to block and be out there, but also a guy that can be definitely another target in the red zone. And I think this is a guy who's going to be early on out on the field, whether he goes second or third round doesn't really matter to me because tight ends don't, you know, they usually get drafted. If they're fourth, fourth round or earlier, they're usually going to be on the field. Um, it's not necessarily somebody who's going to be sitting on the bench. So I think that's me. This is a guy who needs to be out there. And once he kind of shows what he can do, he can make some people miss after the catch as well. So I like this guy and I love his talent. Okay. Okay. Danielle, everyone was, we built you up for the wide receiver, the, all the analysis you couldn't give. Now you can give some tight end analysis. Who are you smashing? Okay. So it's obviously not going to be very original, but I am also on the Kincaid train. I really like him. He's 6'4", 240 pounds. And just in the 2022 season, he had 70 receptions, 890 yards, eight touchdowns, and he averaged about 12 yards on per, on average um, per reception, which I think is pretty great. I think he has the highest production score in the NFL as well for tight ends um, coming in is with the score of 90, which is the highest in the league. And then he has the best total score in the league with 88. I think he's easily comparable to a Zach Ertz. I think he is a pretty solid tight end that you can trust. He's going to be very reliable for a team that doesn't necessarily have a great tight end right now. So I am really excited to see him enter the NFL. Dan, Dan, which comp do you like better? Because uh, I actually like the Dalton Schultz comp with a little bit more wiggle than a Zach Ertz. And Zach Ertz was really stiff as a, as a, as a receiver. I don't think Dalton Kincaid kind of matches up with that. Which, which comp? Because I've heard both. So which comp do you like more? Uh, I go folk Kelsey. Okay. Just go all the way. Baby Kelsey. All I'm right. Volume that. <laughs> all right. Balls to the wall. Let's get it done. Hey, who we tapping? Tap it in. Just tap it in. Give it a little tappy. Tap, tap, tap a Just go home. Just go in your hole. That's what we're looking for on our second one. So this is the player that we like the second most. Uh, that we're maybe not quite smashing the button on, but we'll, we'll, we we want to see what happens. We want to see what happens. Uh, Daniel, you went last. I want you to go first this time. Who are you tapping? So unlike Chris, I have him in the second spot with Musgrave. Musgrave, I think, is very great. Don't get me wrong. Just He doesn't compare to Kincaid in a way. I just feel like Kincaid has that edge over him. Musgrave is 6'6", 250 pounds, played at Oregon State. He didn't necessarily have the best season last season because he only played two games, which is really hard before you enter into the draft. He has the production score of a 68, which is the 10th best in the league. So not necessarily as good of numbers as Kincaid. However, he has a great athletic side to him. He was ranked one of the best athletic scores in the NFL with his 86. That's the fourth best in the league. And overall, he's a third best tight end in the league with a score of 84. So I honestly think that he is a solid tight end, just not necessarily quite to the top tier that Kincaid is on. Danielle coming with the hard stats. I love it. I'm just going to hop in here because I also have Luke Musgrave as my tap it guy. He's a freak. I love freaks. Freaks are exciting. We'll see what he can do. He does have to work on his technique, though, because for being a guy who's 6'6", 253, he gets blown up a lot when he has to block because he can't get low enough. We'll see if that's able to improve at the next level. Of course, as Chris pointed out, he has to deal with some injuries. It has affected some of his development, I believe, in that area. So there's untapped potential, which makes me excited when you're talking about a guy who's 6'6", 253, and can run like a gazelle. 
So very excited about Luke Musgrave. Don't get me twisted. I just have a this is a slight notch because there's a little bit more of that area, I think, of the unknown when it comes to can he stay healthy and when is he exactly going to be on the field? Because he doesn't have necessarily the first round capital, I believe he, or at least I don't believe he will have the first round capital that Kincaid will have to overstep the issues that he has right now as a blocker. So that's why I have him as a tapid guy. I still love him so much. Uh, Dan, let's kick this over to you because with Dan and Chris, we're going to get a little bit, a little bit different here as far as our tapids go. So, my tap it player like second most out of this group is actually Michael Mayer, who I feel like is somebody who has been slipping down draft boards this entire pre-draft process. Going into the 2022 college football season, Michael Mayer was a unanimous first round pick in way, way too early NFL mock drafts. And he has been slipping um, ever since then. And I feel like part of this slip is people discovering these prospects, you know, like like Musgrave, Kincaid's breakout, um, other players will talk out, you know, further on this episode. But I describe Mayer as a good at everything, not great at anything tight end. He's a good blocker. He's not a great blocker. He's a decent route runner. He's not a great route runner. He's had he has good hands um, and he's 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 good as a receiving option. He's not great. But you cannot deny that he's going to receive the draft capital. He's going to be a late first, early second round pick. And one thing I've been preaching on a lot of shows that I've been on is draft capital doesn't tell us how a player will wind up. But draft capital gives us the opportunity to find out sooner rather than later if this is a player we want to keep on our dynasty rosters. You know, uh, we all love our late round dart throws. You know, I'm sure we all have Brian Edwards stash away somewhere on our, our taxi squads, RIP. But I want to know early more than late if I'm keeping this player. And Michael Mayer and then Kincaid also to the, that effect are players that are going to see the field here one. And then I can make a determination. Hey, how do these guys stack up against NFL level competition? Because, you know, um, Notre Dame Independent School, um, Utah is is playing out in the West. You know, they're not power five schools like they're not major, major conference type of schools. They're not SEC schools. So some of these guys, when they get to the NFL level, everything changes. So the draft capital is going to get him on the field earlier, which will be able to give me the ability to determine earlier. Is this a player who's going to stick around my dynasty rosters? And the other good thing is with the early round draft capital their value is insulated. You can always flip a first round rookie pick a year later for at least a second, you know, unless it's a complete disaster. So Michael Mayer is, is actually my second right tight end in this class. Am I super high on his ceiling? No, but I think he's going to be a solid tight end five to 10 for at least four or five years of his career. I love the way you put the draft capital argument beautifully because it's 100% correct. Yes, it's not all about what a player turns out to be. It's about how early you find out if you're going to be able to keep this player or if you're going to want to keep this player or not. So, well, beautifully said. The Michael Meyer thing, I think all three of us are going to have something else to say in the next little gift there. Before we do that, though, Chris, who's your tapid guy? Oh, didn't I just go? Well, Musgrave, and then the you're second person was Kincaid. Oh, Kincaid. Oh, 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 I'm sorry. It was, was Kincaid. Musgrave. I thought it was. Oh, sorry. Yeah, it was, it was Kincaid. There's a whole other no. clip. There's a whole other segment. We are just. We all three of us just did waiting for you to go. 
<laughs> no, I'm going to go with, you know, Kincaid's definitely a guy who I think the direct capital we talked about, you know, definitely eloquently, Dan, but I think this guy, as we talked about, is going to go in the first round more than likely or has been projected to. Um, a guy that people seem to really be high on, they like his pass catching. I've heard the Mark Andrews comparisons. I've heard the Travis Kelsey comparisons. There seems to be a lot of buzz with him on scouts. So overall, I think there's the interest level, a guy who's going to see the field earlier. And let's be real, he's not going to block anybody, so he's out there to catch balls. So I think you're going to have a guy that's going to probably be productive, you know, has a chance to be productive sooner than later if you can run the field. Okay, okay. Just kind of reiterating what we said. We just have him a little bit lower. Let's get to the guys that we're going to dash on. People, we are on a dine and dash here. And when I say that, obviously, we're choosing only between three tight ends for this segment anyway. Um so, so Dan, you're going to go last this time because all three of us are in agreement with who we're dashing on. Chris, who's that? Michael Mayer. Um, look, I think this guy's going to be a guy who's going to be on the field. I definitely agree with Dan that he's going to be somebody who is going to see, you know, the field has a chance to be productive because of that. But I just am not impressed with anything I really see on the, on the field. A guy who's not overly explosive. He catches the ball well. He's kind of stiff as he runs. Is he going to be a seam structure? Is he going to be a red zone guy? I haven't really seen where his kind of production is going to be on the field. He doesn't make you miss after he catches the ball very often, um, but he will be on the field. So you have a lot of teams that are high on him, especially coming out into the draft. Um, he had, you know, wasn't terrible at the combine by any stretch of the means, but he didn't really stand out with another class that had a lot of athletes that kind of just shined. And then finally, I look at a guy that, you know, we've seen the show, which Notre Dame tight end are we going to get? There's different versions. Could he be Zach Ertz? That'd be great. But I don't know if he's going to be maybe. I look to see more of a guy who's Kyle Rudolph, if not lower than that. So I think there's a lot of Notre Dame tight ends who's kind of seen the league. And you kind of he doesn't really stand out any differently to me than you know the typical guy who comes out. Danielle, give me your Mike Mayer uh, facts here. Yeah, kind of going based off of what Chris said about him being a little bit stiff, I kind of wanted to go off of that because his athleticism score from the NFL is a 63, and that is the 15th best in the league of tight ends, which means that almost everybody on my entire top 10 list of tight ends is considered more athletic than he is. And that is a strong thing to rank and a strong thing to note before going into the NFL, because while you might be able to put up awesome numbers, like these 67 receptions, 809 yards, nine touchdowns that he put up last season, ultimately you have to be very athletic, obviously going into the NFL and you can't be that stiff. And I think I want to see a little bit more functionality from him and a little bit more, uh, running ability, I'd say. Yeah, I agree with all your points. I'm going to throw a bone here to Dan. The one thing I want to recognize is that this guy was the number one tight end in contested catches. So when you mix in a good blocker with a guy who can go and get the ball in traffic on a consistent basis, could you have a Robert Tunyon who can actually do it more than just one season? Getting and When I say that, I mean getting playing time and double-digit touchdowns. Yeah, you could have that on your hands there with Michael Mayer. Not knocking that. He's still in my top four here. I'm not hating on the player. But of these three, I am dashing on him because he doesn't quite have the same athletic upside as Kincaid or a Musgrave does. And that gets illustrated by the fact that he's kind of a catch-it-and-drop-down type of tight end. Don't see a lot of things happening after the catch for him. So dashing on that, Dan made his point on Michael Mayer. I know he probably feels like we just ganged up on him and just like, but it's all good. Well, who are you dashing on? Because you have somebody different. I just got to say, the sure. players we've been talking about are my top three tight ends. Like, I don't want anybody to take this fight. Like, I hate this yeah. player. This is like, what makes <laughs> it good, okay? We hate these people. 
<laughs> because I'm about to talk about Luke Musgrave, and I love Luke Musgrave. He's one of my favorite players. Um, I actually got to interview him at the Senior Bowl. Great guy, really funny, very charismatic. And uh, one thing I want to mention about the injury stuff, because that is one big storyline when it comes to Musgrave. Um, I got to ask him down there because the first day of practice, he was out there looking very stiff, kind of out of rhythm and not the player that I've seen on tape. So before day two's practice, I got to sit down and talk to him like, Luke, like, how is your rehab process going? Like, where are you in the rehab process? When will you be at 100 percent? And he said something to me that kind of sticks when I think about players and injuries from now on. He goes, he's like, I'm 100% re rehabilitated. He's like, I'm 100% ready to go. He's like, I'm in shape. I'm not in football shape. He's like, I can do all the rehab, all the PT in the world. He's like, I can't get into football shape unless I get out there and play football. And what would you know? Like an hour later at the practice, he was out there hauling in every pass, beating defensive backs, like looking like his old self. And I was talking to a scout buddy. I was standing next to him. I went, I was like, I guess Luke's back in football shape now. <laughs> so <laughs> just took the one day. Just so, yeah, just the one day. So um, I love Luke. Fun fact, uh, people talk about, you know, the multi-sport uh, athlete, the tight end, like, you know, oh, Jimmy Graham played basketball. Did you know that? Uh, Luke Musgrave was actually a five-sport athlete in high school. Um, he played uh, football, basketball, baseball, I think lacrosse he squ uh, squeezed in. And then hailing from the Pacific Northwest, um, the um, what is it called? The decathlon. What's the one where you're on like the skis with the guns and stuff? Oh. He did. He did that also. He did all all sorts of sports. He's like a super super athlete. So Pete Carroll will definitely be drafting him in the uh, in the second round. Um, <laughs> you know that sounds about right. Actually, <laughs> I'm already looking forward to the shirt off picture with with the two of them. Um, so I I yeah I love Luke Musgrave. He's just my third ranked tight end, which qualifies him for. Uh, dash at this point I get I guess and something that we will probably talk about later on this episode is um, is rookie value for tight ends and where they're going in rookie drafts and I'm on the mindset that Kincaid is going to go very high in rookie drafts he's probably going to be mid maybe back in the first round one quarterback early second round super flex tight end premium will adjust that I'm on the mindset that I will just take the third one. Like I will let my league mates spend up for the top two, just because the hit rate on tight end is so abysmal. I want to say, you know, it's, it's, it's so hard to, to find these guys that, that produce. And then the ones that like go late are the ones that produce anyway. So I'm fine taking value in rookie drafts this year when it comes to the tight end position. And I have at least four guys that I'm willing to wait for. So we'll probably talk more later about that, but I just wanted to mention that, Anyone in my top four is somebody I'm happy, happy drafting in rookie drafts this year. So yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm dashing, I guess. Dashing into <laughs> drafting. Well, I'm dashing I'll, my way to draft more Luke Musgrave. <laughs> I'll, I'll say two things. Uh, one, we need TikTok grabs, so that's why we do this. But <laughs> number two, uh, I wanna, I'm going to add to that, what you just point out. When's the last time there's even four tight ends worth wanting to wait on to draft it's been a while we can do that with this class so i'm 100 there with you when it comes to rookie mock drafts yes we're always about taking the value but the tight end's been that one position where while the hit rate hasn't been great 
you have no choice but to try to get that one top one, top two guy. Because after that, it was just like, I don't even know what you bring to the table. Maybe we get lucky from last year's draft a little bit. I mean, that showed us promise, even though it was really just two guys. Trey McBride, who barely got to play, uh, especially didn't get to play with an actual you know, legitimate quarterback by the time Kyler Murray got hurt. And then Greg Dolch is so some promise, but he had his injury issues himself. And, uh, you know, also could probably make the argument didn't have a legitimate quarterback to play with there in Denver. But then wasn't it, uh, wasn't Chick the most productive of them all? And Chick was the most productive one of them all. <laughs> and who, I'm pretty yeah, sure you know, he was like what? fifth round undrafted type of yeah, guy in most exactly. rookie drafts. So, and so there you go. Uh, it's one of those things that you have to like kind of take into consideration when you're doing your rookie mock drafts, how high do you want to go? But this year, the point more so being this year, it's better to wait or you can at least wait because there's guys at least in the same tier zone as the top elite guys, quote unquote, for this year's draft. There's actually a mid tier. Let's put it that way. You know how there's everyone says there's there's no middle class anymore in America. Well, we actually got a middle class of tight ends, and it's been that way for a little bit. It's kind of nice and exciting from that standpoint. I want to take a quick break. When we come back on the other side, we're going to talk about our favorite tight ends that are not inside the consensus top three or not inside our own top three. However, you want to look at that, but. Actually, no, I take that back. It is the consensus top three because my guy that I'm going to talk about is inside of my top three. So more on that after this quick break. Hey, guys, I just want to thank you all for tuning into our video today. Make sure you're subscribing to us on YouTube where you can search us the MD's Fantasy Football Show or go to at MDFF Show. We're available to you on TikTok and on Instagram. Follow us on social media when you go to at MDFF Show or at DanMeterFF for my personal account. Give us a shout-out on our Facebook page, the MD's Fantasy Football Show. Guys, we're available to you all throughout the year for any fantasy football questions you may have or football betting in general. Make sure you subscribe and like the video below. We'll see you again soon. This is the MD's Fantasy Football Show with Dan Mader. Giving you the X's and O's of all things fantasy. Hello, MD Nation. Thanks for tuning in to the MD's Fantasy Football Show on this Thursday night, live on our YouTube channel. Make sure you subscribe and hit the bell notification and download us on your favorite podcast app after the show to stay up to date on the go. You're going to want to catch up if you haven't already on our NFL Draft Series because the draft is next week. I'm super excited. I'm happy we're talking about tight ends tonight. Oh, by the way, I'm your host, Dan Mater. I'm joined here with my co-host, Chris Dowhauer, Daniel Dubois, and we have another great guest, and it's not just because his name is also Dan, but we have Dan Toomey of Dynasty Nerds on here. Chris, do you feel a little bit left out? We got Dan, 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 Yell. Where are you in all this? I, I put my D at the end of the name to try to, you know, feel included, I guess. I, I, yeah, I definitely feel like I'm just not the right named person. <laughs> well, since you are the oddball, why don't you go ahead and uh, lead us off with the top, with the, with the tight end, that's your favorite tight end, that's not inside the consensus top three tight ends. That's going to be Zach Kuntz. Um, I, this is a guy who I just think is ridiculously athletic. I talked about Musgraves athleticism, but this is another guy who's six foot seven. You know, gets in and I was, I mean, gets up all the field well, is able to stretch the seams. I do question some of his ability to kind of go down and get the ball sometimes. So it's my, one of my concerns about him. But when he does catch the ball, he can make you miss. He can run you over a little bit. He's not an overly physical guy, but he's not afraid. And I think that he has some skill set, a body that he can kind of continue to grow into. Uh, and this is also a guy who I think is, you know, a lot of scouts like. Um, so I think we talked about the tight end position. And what I see in the tight end position is, is this is kind of the position where people kind of get, pick their favorites in a sense. 
Um, you have guys who can, you know, talk about what rounds they go in. A lot of times it's guys who people are beating the drum for. I like this tight end. I like this one. So quite often those guys get kind of, you know, are, are a guy that you like. So if Zach Kunz is a guy that you have high on your board or you like his athleticism, he gets on the field for you. I see a couple different teams that definitely could use a tight end, especially as we kind of see this 49er system kind of trickle around the NFL. You're going to look for a guy you can utilize in the NFL who's willing to get physical and get blocked. So I think he's a guy that's not necessarily talked about as a surprise, but there's a, as you talked about, it's a really good draft class. So it's a guy I think should be a top three, but he's not. Well, he's a, he's a more raw, probably going to go a little bit later in the draft version of Luke Musgrave. Just, is ultimately what it boils down to similar type of style. So I kind of like your pick of a player there, Dan, let's go to you. Who's your favorite player. Who's outside the top three. Yeah. So um, I really like Sam Laporta. He is a yards after catch broken tackle machine. And he hails from tight end U, which is Iowa, you know, tight ends like Noah Fant, George Kittle, um, Laporta is kind of exactly what we want in fantasy football. He is super great yards out of the catch, super great broken tackles. Blocking is not his biggest strong suite suit, but I don't see that as a negative personally, because if I want my tight end on the field on my dynasty team, I don't want him blocking. I want him out there as a pass catching weapon, which Laporta is. Um, this is a player I've seen more hype on recently uh, during the pre-draft process. And I'm very interested to see how the NFL feels about him. Thankfully, we only have to wait a week or maybe eight days with somebody like Laporta to find out exactly where he goes. But I just mentioned, you know, I, I, I wait on tight end. I let like a couple go. Laporta is usually my target. I, we do a, a mock draft Monday show um, on our discord. And so we've been doing rookie mocks at least two every single Monday. And I find that the, the nice strategy I've been doing is once Kincaid or the first tight end goes, I say to myself, okay, my next pick, if I'm not trading up, I just grab Laporta and it's, it's, I've gotten him every time. So yeah, Sam Laporta is my favorite guy out of the um, consensus top three, but for me, he's, he's not far behind the top three at all. All right. Nice little take there. We'll see how somebody else on the show feels about Laporta when we get into the showdown segment in just a little bit. But Danielle, let's kick this over to you. Who are you loving outside that top three this year? I have Darnell Washington as another one of my favorites. I think he, I know (laughs) I was looking at the list beforehand and I was trying to just decide and I was going through all all his facts though. (laughs) (laughs) I was looking at all the rankings and I really like Washington because he also has an athleticism score of 91, which is the second best in the NFL, which is a really great rating. I don't know who's ahead of him in this tight end draft. I didn't get to looking into that. But that does obviously say something about a tight end. He has an overall score of 85, which is also second best in the league. He played on UGA, which means he's had a lot of great, tough competition throughout his time at UGA. And this last season, he had 28 receptions, 454 yards, two touchdowns, and is averaging 16 yards per reception, which is a great statistic compared to when you look at Kincaid, which is 12 yards on average for reception. I think that is a pretty interesting thing to point out. He's big. He's 6'7", 264 pounds. I mean, there's a lot to really love about Washington, where he's coming from. And I think he could have a really bright future in the NFL. 
Yeah, 100%. Here's what I'll add to this. Darnell Washington might be, might be the best blocking tight end of this draft class combined. There's no might. There's no might. He is. Yeah, there's, okay. there's no, yeah, there's, you don't have to sugarcoat it. No might. That's yeah. Okay, fine. He is the best blocking tight end of this draft class while also probably being the best, if not the, I guess, to Daniel's point, maybe the second best athletic score tight end. So obviously he's tantalizing in all those fashions. He's got the size that you would want. The blocking skills are going to allow him to play early. I do believe this guy is a day two pick at worst, a very early day three. I got to imagine he's going to go by day two, though. I'd be very shocked if he didn't. And there's just a lot of intrigue about him. The red flags I'll put out there just to try to be fair here. Could he wind up being what OJ Howard became? Yes, there's a chance that winds up happening where maybe he doesn't quite develop the passing skill sets that we were hoping for with his athleticism becomes mostly a blocking tight end. And he kind of bounces around the league as a result in that facet because he does have some rawness when it comes to route running. He doesn't he has a hard time kind of bending his hips. He had, rounds out all of his turns. And from that ish, from that standpoint, I understand there's some rawness there, but God darn it, if I'm not super, super into a guy who can run like he can, who has a size that he can, who can block like he can. So we'll get that early playing time. I'm all about the Darnell Washington trade. One, one thousand percent. Does anybody want to rebuttal anything before we move on? I don't want to rebuttal, but I was just going to comment that, you know, you talked about a player. It reminds you of, to me, it's Mercedes Lewis is the worst that he's going to wind up being. Mercedes Lewis wasn't necessarily you know, an elite tight end scoring-wise, but is a guy you can stretch the seam, can make you be mismatched in the red zone. Played 17 years now, or 55 years, it feels like. Um, but, you know, that's the kind of skill set. You talk about Howard as well, but Howard got injured, and he was being productive kind of. You, know, you wouldn't really kind of see him be untapped in a sense while he was kind of productive that first year and a guy that people were really high on. So I think there's the lot of skill sets that you can like, and you talk about the blocking. People are always looking for the next Gronk. You know, Gronk had to kind of grow into becoming Gronk, but the thing I'm on the field and what he had was a skill set and he could block his ass off. So that's that's a good way to kind of start. Yeah, 100%. Okay. It's the segment we've all been waiting for. It's time. You guys have your gunslinger mentalities out because here it comes. It's the MD showdown, everybody. So, Danielle is our judge, and I'm glad we actually have Danielle this week because last week we had to police each other, and it was it was. Just and so I won, Danielle, Danielle. So don't forget that. <laughs> no, no, no. You won with Danielle last judge. We tied. Okay, I won. me and Pat tied. Oh, that's last right. Week. Yeah, Dan threw it at the end to make sure I win. No, yeah, none of that. No, you know, minus one just for trying to jump the gun. How about that? Okay. <laughs> First up is going to be me and Chris. That's why we're already at each other's throats. We're going to talk about Luke Schoenmacher. I got him at fifth. Chris has him at 10. So we're going to debate here. Chris, do you want to do the honors? Or you want me to go first? You, you can you can choose here. I'll, I'll even be nice to you. you can this isn't even a fair one because this is a guy that you know isn't really consensus top five for most people. So go ahead and and go make your points. I like Luke Schumacher, the guy who should be on radar. For most people, his consensus ranking right now is tight end seven. It ain't that far off. And most NFL draft mock drafts, again, it's not the end all be all, but most mock drafts have this guy as a day two pick. So he does have draft capital coming in on his side. Probably the second best blocker, third best blocker to that of a Darnell Washington. He is on the other side at 25. But what does he also have? It's similar to Washington, a little bit of a lesser scale. He has the athleticism to go with it. The guy ran a four, six, 
340. He's not some typical big boy, white boy tight end who's just out there to kind of be an extra left tackle for and who can't really move his hips. He can run. He can stretch the seam. Wasn't overly productive in Michigan, but we've seen tight ends time and time again be able to develop once they get in the NFL as long as they have the translatable traits that a Luke Schumacher does in fact have. Do I see a guy who could be maybe a Robert Tunyon type and along those lines? Yes, 100%. Is he the most natural wide receiver? No, but when I have a guy who's going to have the draft capital and the blocking skills to get that early playing time and has the ability to stretch the seam like he does, has the ability to go up and get the contested catch ball that he does, does i'm intrigued and we were talking about mock drafts if i can get this guy third fourth round my rookie mock drafts i'm feeling pretty good about that so yes he's fifth because here's the other thing when it comes after the rankings after luke schumacher that at least i have anyway yes i have him fifth on my board but after that tucker craft zach Kuntz, josh wiley davis allen there's people i like However, all of those guys have red flags and huge question marks when it comes to when exactly are you going to get playing time? I don't have that question when it comes to Luke Schoenmacher. Go ahead. Yeah, I'm going to probably much kind of take a dive on this one because I do like Luke Schoenmacher as a guy that I was hoping people would you know mention and talk about. But I will, kind of pu- I will push back. At, well, I will push back with some of the guys you just named. Obviously, I think Zach Klutz is a guy that I have higher on my board than him. And then I, you know, Tyler Craft, who I'm not thrilled with, is a guy who a lot of people do like, and I think he's going to have a draft capital a little bit more spent on him, especially as a pass catcher on the on the field. Now, can he, is he a good blocker? Absolutely, he's a guy that I think is going to be a guy that can be more productive in the NFL than he was in college, but isn't a guy necessarily high on people's tight end boards. So I do have a question: How quickly he gets on the on the field? Uh, a guy who might be a second tight end initially. We've seen like Tommy Trembles and those kind of guys get out there. Drew Sample, they get out there, they may block it initially. But are they really productive fantasy wise? Eh. So like Sean Mocker is a guy who I don't love the, you know, necessarily the, the draft capital spent or the upside. So I do like him, but isn't a guy like the Josh Wiley, other guys who I think already show you the skill set have been productive in college and have a more of a translatable catching skill set that can be utilized earlier, I think. All right. All right, Danielle. Who wins? Well, I personally have Schumacher at six. And so this was kind of a little bit ah. of a debate for me. However, when you compare him to the rest of the list, I believe that he fits in better at the five spot than the 10 spot. And Dan made a great case for it. So Dan wins this one. Ah, uh, see the Dan's and the Danny stick together. I love it. All right. <laughs> Chris, I'm with you. <laughs> Thank you, Dan. Dan Toomey also does have him at 10, so that does not surprise me <laughs> at all. Now they were just buddies. Now they have to hate each other because now it's time for them to debate Sam Laporta. All right. Now, Dan kind of made his case a little bit, so I'll have Chris go first, and then Dan, you can rebuttal whatever case Chris tries to muster up, and it won't be much of one. Don't don't worry. Uh, but yeah, Chris is- has him at eight, and Dan has him at four. Go ahead, Chris. Yeah, Dan, usually I'm better at this, but this is a this is a challenge, and especially this draft discussion on tight end class that I'm, I'm a, a fan of. So Sam Laporta, a lot of things he mentioned, I can't argue with you at all. The thing that concerns me is the inability to block, and does that get does that kind of you know put him in the doghouse early on? A guy who probably isn't going to be once again have the draft capital spent on him, so he's going to have to have a reason to put him on the field. Usually for younger tight ends, if you're not a guy they want to feature, you're a guy who needs to block. 
especially as I talked about earlier with these different 49er systems that are kind of floating around. We've seen different guys who, you know, want to be utilized. Uh, Jake Stenberger is a guy who pops in my head immediately. Now, he didn't go to Iowa, so I think – and I think Laporta has a lot of skill set that he can kind of grow into. But as, you know, Mark – as my mayor did in Notre Dame, he's the feature part of their offense. And for me, sometimes the tight ends who have good numbers and you're the only weapon on the entire offense, it's probably the reason. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, I see him being the only part of the offense as him dominating the offense. Um, targets aren't given. They are earned. I live by that mantra all the time that targets just don't get divvied out. Good players earn targets. And Sam Laporta, to me, is a really good player. Now, um, one thing I think seems to be the trend um, in our disconnect with philosophies and tight ends is I think um, – I put less emphasis on blocking than everybody else does. Um, I've talked to people, dynasty nerds who think the same way as me, but I've also talked to people, dynasty nerds who uh, think that blocking is very important for the tight end position for fantasy football purposes. Um, honestly, when the off season dies down and I have a little bit more time and I haven't gotten to the 2024 class yet, um, it's something that I probably want to spend some time researching because I think there is good data to be extracted from that, that hypothesis that blocking does or does not matter when it comes to fantasy breakout potential for tight ends. Um, so if I ever find time, I will definitely let you guys know what, what I find on that. But my personal philosophy is um, I think Laporta is a good enough receiving talent and a good enough um, offensive weapon that the blocking will not be as important. Now, caveat, let me say this. Landing spot has a huge determination on a player's role as a blocker when it comes to a tight end. Um, it's going to come down to offensive line quality. It's going to come down to experience at the quarterback position, and it's going to come down to the scheme. Um, so I do say this on every tight end show that I go on, that tight end is the one position where my rankings will different, differentiate the most based on landing spot, because I think they are more scheme dependent than say a running back or a wide receiver is because a wide receiver, if you're a very good elite wide receiver, you just go out and you win. You be the defensive back in front of you and you win. And there's no scheme about that. You're just better. Um, but I feel like tight end, the scheme of the offense and the type of offense you land on does have a, uh, a higher um, determining factor in your fantasy relevance. So that being said, you have him at, what, tight end eight? I have him at tight end four. One bad landing spot. I love the tight ends in between that gap right there. He could wind up as tight end eight for me, too. So I'm not, like, over the moon on Laporta, but when I look at this class and I look for offensive upside, outside of the big three, I, I don't find a, a, per, a person better rather than that than Laporta. I'm just going to jump in real here. I don't disagree with anything Dan just said or, frankly, Chris just said. I do have him as eight as well. The only thing I want to add in here that crossed my mind when it came to Sam Laporta was how many teams actually utilize that flex, you know, split out tight end efficiently. There's not many. That was the other thing that bothered me. That was one. That was probably the biggest reason out of everything that I wound up knocking him down all the way to eight two because I like everything you just laid out. He is an excellent pass catcher. He would be able to lead an offense. He would be able to earn target share. I have no doubt about it. 
But then I go back and I look at the teams, especially over the last few years, and who's using tight ends and in what way are they using them. And less and less of the time we're seeing that flex out, split out tight end, actually getting the opportunity to even be on the field in the first place. And that's what stuck out to me. I don't know if you've noticed that too, Dan, or is that a concern of yours? So um, one thing I'll say is, and I'm not sure of this answer. You might have a better idea than I do, but is it a correlation or is it a causation? Is it a causation of not having the tight end capable of doing that? Or is it a correlation of the offensive scheme is just not, you know, not built like that? Hard, hard to answer without without yeah. diving into it. But it's it's a very good question at this at the same time. Uh 100%. But I, here's what I will say. There's been a number of considered flex out, split out tight ends that have been drafted, especially when we get in that fourth through seventh round who never get to see the field. Now, is that because they're not good enough or just because simply teams are looking at this like, if you can't block, I'm not putting you out there. And I feel like it's been more of that than it necessarily has been. These tight ends aren't necessarily good enough as receivers to be able to be out there. But we'd have to dive more into that to really figure out the truth of that. And that's answer. and that's what makes tight ends so tricky is I think more than any other position, it's very story-driven, very narrative-driven. Why or why not a tight end does or does not break out? You know, um, like look at Mike last year. We can all agree he's super athletic. He's a great offensive weapon, but the scheme that McDaniels brought over just had no use for him, right. you know? And and how many of those guys are day three prospects that land somewhere during summer training camp and just get washed out of the system and we never, never even know about them. So I think that there's definitely a lot of room for research in the tight end position based on conversations we've had tonight alone. Yeah, one one hundred percent. Danielle, you still have to pick a winner between these two. <laughs> yeah, that's um hard following that conversation. But personally, I also have Laporta at four, so I'm gonna have to go with Dan on this one. It's a Dan thing. Yeah, it's, it's an all, it's an all, it's an all Dan thing. Chris, you feeling left left out yet? If you weren't before, I know it's, you are it's, now. It's definitely fixed. <laughs> Sorry, Chris. <laughs> All right, well, we got one more debate for you, and then we're going to go round table on our deep sleepers right after this, so don't go anywhere. But Dan and I now have to face off, and uh, I talked about this player already, so I'm going to let Dan go. But, Dan, why do you hate Washington? You have him ranked all the way down at six, buddy. <laughs> you guys are setting me up over here. <laughs> you know, this it's is, only this so is... much room you can go when you only have, like, 10, 12 top guys that you're going to bother talking about. I was going to say, this is a great 10-end class. I love seven or eight of them. <laughs> No. So my big concern with Washington comes back to, I think the rule of a lot of our conversations tonight as, and it comes to pass blocking. Um, I'm honestly very concerned that he lands on a team that says, Hey, go throw on 30 pounds. We're going to throw you on the line and see what happens, <laughs> you know, because he is an amazing pass blocker. Um, we have guys at dynasty nerds who cut up film for us and we didn't have a ton of Darnell Washington shape. So I reached out to them like, guys, can you get me more Darnell tape? I'll go find it myself, but you know, it's what you guys do. So please. And they're like, there's just, there's not a lot of production receiving wise. I'm like, I know I don't want to watch receiving tape. I want to watch pass run and block tape for Darnell Washington, because it's like watching the Mona Lisa, watching this guy go out there and block defensive backs and linebackers and much, much smaller people than he is. So my concern from talking to people um, that I know in the scouting community is that I don't know if his position is going to be very fantasy relevant at the next level. And this goes back to our conversation of landing spot determining rankings for me at tight end more than any other position, because 
with Washington, listen, I love him as an athlete. He amazing athlete, you know, scored very highly on the RAS score. Um, but I just don't know what his role is going to be. And then when we look at him as an offensive weapon, a lot of his receptions were snaps where he started as a blocker. And I don't know if it was designed by Todd Munkin or if the play broke down a certain way and him and Stenton Bennett had like an out call or something, but he would just drop his block, go hang out in the flat. And then, you know, he's six, seven, like it's not that hard to hit a six, seven target. And so he would just throw it out to him. And a lot of his, his, you know, quote unquote routes were like that. I didn't see a lot of route running out of him. And the other thing that I put a question mark for my evaluation for him was high pointing the ball his vertical game, because to be honest, he never had to. He was always matched up against smaller defensive backs, smaller linebackers that I don't think he left. Yeah. I don't think he left his toes. I think he just like, hi up here. Got it. Thanks. I'm on my way. So do I have like a hundred percent doubt that Darnell Washington won't hit the next level? No, not at all. And he's an amazing athlete, an amazing player. And I'd love to succeed at the next level. I just don't think success for Darnell Washington comes in the form of fantasy football points. Okay. So it's hard to disagree with a lot you've laid out on because what sprung to my mind, and this is a, this isn't a great example overall from a fantasy standpoint, but as a 49ers fan, you look at George Kittle and yes, overall George Kittle is going to be great, but what's the knock on him? Why is he always outside that top tier of a Kelsey of a Mark Andrews is because he's going to go through these stretches where because he's such a good blocker, they're just going to ask him to block and they're not going to throw him the football. And that's why he's maddening as an elite tight end for, from a fantasy football perspective. I totally hear you on that. I, I mentioned earlier in the show, do I have some concerns that he turns into what OJ Howard became? Yeah, to some degree. I think he'll always be more on the field more because he's even a better blocker than OJ Howard ever was. But in that same vein, do I have some concerns from there? Yes, I do. But you also mentioned something that I think is worth pointing out and why I do think he will be very fantasy relevant outside of all the athletic attributes with his size and everything like that. And that is shedding off his block and getting wide open in the flat. That is how everyone asked the question when he was going through this, how is this guy never covered? And they're referring to Rob Gronkowski. How is he never covered? You know where the weapon's going. You know why? Because he was doing exactly that. He was blocking guys and shedding off. And when you start to initiate and block guys, you're no longer going to be somebody I'm accounting for in coverage. I shed off my blocker. Here I am wide open. Oh, that's right. I'm bigger and faster than everybody else in the field. And there I go and take off. And that's actually why I think he will be fantasy relevant as he maybe hopefully develops his route tree. But even if he doesn't, as long as he has that move, he will have a go-to move, and that will be enough, I think, in my mind, for him to at least be a low-end tight end one. And if he puts all the package together, we may be talking about Darnell Washington as a top-five guy. So that would be my argument as to why he would be a fantasy guy. Danielle, who wins this debate? Oh, man, that was that was a rough debate. I must say that that gave me a lot to think about. And while I am a Washington lover, I'm honestly going to have to go with Dan T on this one because oh. of the the points that he brought up about blocking and fantasy-wise. Oh. All right, fine. You go with the guests. I can't be mad about that. That's smart. And, and, and listen, I'm not, I'm not making anything up. I like, I've had conversations oh, with yeah. friends who work in the scouting community, and they said – Honestly, I can see him going day two to a team that didn't get one of the offensive tackles. And they're saying like, hey, Darnell, just go put on 30 pounds this summer. We're going to throw you on the offensive line and see what happens. You know, because 
he is such like I heard like um some of the PFF podcasts I listen to, they have this phrase that they use. There's only X number of people on the face of the earth and Darna Washington. There's only X number of people that are that size. And I can see a lot of football coaches just wanting to bring him in the building and finding a role for him. You know, like there's not a lot of guys that are that size in the NFL draft this year. And that might mean that for fantasy football purposes, he might not be, you know, what we're expecting to be. And like I said, Dan, listen, I agree with you. If he like is out there and is a featured tight end role, he's going to be a monster and he is going to be a beast. It's just the uncertainty of his future and his role that, you know, has me putting him there. But like I said, he's my tight end six. <laughs> I don't hate, I don't hate Darnell Washington at all. <laughs> yeah. Ultimately, winds up, it boils, it boils down to that. And, and I, I want to thank you. And this is why I knew you're going to be a great guest for the inside information and the inside scoops and the insightfulness that you brought to the table for, for that conversation. Let's wrap this up. We'll do this rapid fire style because we are kind of running out of time. Dan, we'll kick this back to you. Give me one deep sleeper that we haven't talked about yet. Um, his name's mentioned a little bit, not like super ton, but um, Tucker Craft. He's like, I guess you would consider my uh, sleeper tight end if I was doing a list. He comes from um, FCS level, so level of competition is non-existent, but he also played the same school that Dallas Goddard played at, so... We've seen it happen before. Um, he's very athletic. He's great with the ball. He's like that stereotypical good pass catching tight end. He's also the type of guy where I can easily move my position off of him after his first year because, like I said, he played at the FCS level. The level of competition was just not the same. He's playing against, you know, the future car car salesmen of America. Um, so once he gets to the NFL, we'll – you know, my tune might change, but that's my uh, my sleeper this tight end class so far. All right, I like that one, Danielle. What do you got? I have Josh. I don't know how to pronounce the last name. Wiley. Wild. Wiley. Perfect. Wiley. Perfect. There we go. Um, I honestly really like him. As I mean, I feel like he's going to probably get drafted to a place that's looking for a good, strong backup tight end, and then will eventually evolve into a good starter based off of the statistics that he has. Now he's a pretty average tight end at the moment goes to Cincinnati at 6'6", 248. I feel like he could have a lot of upside one day, but not necessarily right now, but one day he'll be a starter. Okay. Chris, Chris did you have the same guy? I have both those guys, actually. Okay. There you go. I, I, I gave three. I, I actually absolutely love this tight end position. Um, I gave three total. One of the guys I mentioned earlier was Zach Kunz is a guy that I think is people are just sleeping on. He's one of the higher guys on my board. Um, you talked about Tyler Kraft. This is a guy that I have heard a lot of hype around, a lot of rhetoric and a guy that people will kind of look forward to target as a guy that be a part of their offense. Um, and I think that, you know, finally, Josh Wiley is a guy who is a pass catcher in Cincinnati, was productive in college. He can get low. He can catch the ball pretty much wherever he gets sophisticated for being a tall guy. He's one of the less stiff guys in a sense where he is able to kind of move his hips. He is able to kind of get open. He can, have, he can high point the ball. So he has red zone capabilities as well so i think this guy's going to see the field sooner than later so i also had him on my list okay i like that my guys will mallory from the original tight end university before iowa took the throne from the u uh, we, i i do have concerns He's, he reminds me of a maybe a slightly lesser version of san laporta frankly and, and i do have the same concerns with him that i do with laporta will you actually get the opportunity to play as a flex split out hybrid type of tight end but if he does 
He's another guy we talked about earning targets. I think he'll earn some targets. And what I love about him, and we rarely get to see this out of tight ends, he's good after the catch. He's good with the ball in his hands. He makes guys miss. And he had, can sink his hips. I've seen very few tight ends who can actually hit that in and out on a sharp corner, almost like a wide receiver caliber type. Then Will Mallory, when it comes to the tight end class, usually when you're that big, you don't really learn how to sink your hips necessarily to get those sharp routes. He does that. So he's every bit of the pass catcher that you would want from a fantasy standpoint. He's a willing enough blocker. Where I think he gives himself a chance from that standpoint of being, are you going to get the playing time ever? Or are you just going to get buried in the depth chart? I think he gives himself a chance in that department and which lets the rest of it have a possibility to come to fruition. So for me, I'm looking at Will Mar- Mallory and I'm just like, yeah, I like what you might be able to bring to the table. Fifth round rookie mock drafts probably won't even be drafted, period, uh, in those classes. So you might be able to pick him up after your rookie drafts are over. Will he even be drafted in the NFL draft? We're probably looking at a late day three. So this is going to be a deep sleeper in every sense of the word. But Will Mallory, somebody's definitely on my radar when we're talking about some late deep sleeper tight ends. That's going to do it for today's show. We're going to be back next week for our NFL draft stream, April 27th and April 28th commercial free nonstop is going to be probably 12 hours at least total of stream at least that's what it was last year chris we actually hit the 12 hour mark so i'm hoping hoping we can do that again dan i want to thank you so much for coming on i want you to tell everybody where can we follow you what do you guys got coming up over there at dynasty nerds what do you have coming up that you want people to check out yes yeah, so um over at Dynasty Nerds, I have, if you're watching on YouTube, I got my Twitter handle right there. It's at DanT underscore NFL. Not to overwrite your thunder, but we also are doing a draft live stream next weekend. <laughs> but I don't want to I don't want to come on shows and, and be stealing stuff from people. Um, but Dynasty Nerds as a whole, we have a lot of projects planned uh, once the draft is over. I can't announce everything right now. It's still in the final stages, but um Safe to say, like as early as May, I'm going to be start doing 2024 draft class content. So if you guys are loving the 2023 pre-draft process right now and you're just like in like college football draft analysis fever, give me to May. Give me a couple of weeks to chill out. And then I'm going to start on the 2024 class right away because we got tons of players to talk about. Caleb Williams, Marvin Harrison Jr., you know, Braylon Allen. Um, so it's, it's it's you guys work in the industry you know it's it's a year-round affair it's it's 24 7 3 6 5 and i can't thank you guys enough for having me on this this was a, a great show great time i'm so happy you're able to take the time out and just you know 2024 everyone's talking about all oh, this class it has value but not necessarily the upper echelon there's gonna be a lot of upper echelon coming out of 2024 if you guys like tight ends which wait till next year yeah, absolutely <laughs> uh danielle what do you what do you got what do you got you taking a little break right yeah, there's not too much going on here. My semester is wrapping up. But if you guys want to read some hockey articles, you can check out Black and Gold Hockey. And you can check out some of my articles, mainly about the Boston Bruins. So if you're not a Boston fan, it might not be for you. But you should check, definitely check them out anyways. My Rangers are coming for you guys. They just put the devils away. And you know, we're, we're, we're coming for you, Boston. We're coming for you. Okay, don't, don't okay. again guys make sure you download your favorite podcast app tune in next week for the nfl draft class and we'll see you again really really soon 